0: We experience resistance as fear, but fear of what? Fear that we will succeed. That we can access the powers we secretly know we possess. That we can become the person we sense in our heart we truly are. We fear discovering that we are more than what we think we are more than our parents, children, teachers think we are. We fear that we actually possess the talent that our small, still voice tells us. That we actually have the guts, the perseverance, and the capacity. We fear that we truly can steer our ship, plant our flag, reach our promised land. We fear this Because if it's true, then we become estranged from all we know. We pass through a membrane, we become monsters and monstrous. We know that if we embrace our ideas, we must prove worthy of them and that scares the hell out of us. But what will become of us? We will lose our friends and family Who will no longer recognize us. We will wind up alone in the cold void of any starry space with nothing and no one to hold on to. Of course, this is exactly what happens, but here's the trick. We wind up in space, but not alone. Instead, we are tapped into an unquenchable undepletable, inexhaustible source of wisdom, consciousness, and companionship. Yeah, we lose friends, but we find friends too in places we never thought to look and they're better friends and we're better and truer to them. Do you believe me? Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. And for those of you, for those of you that are listening to this right now, you might want to take a deeper breath (laughs) as we, as we continue to unfold this passage. And this passage is from the book, if you could tell us
0: Yes. Yes. This beautiful passage is from the book, The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles by one of my favorite authors, none other than Stephen Pressfield, who is absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Stephen. Stephen. Shout out, Stephen, <laughs> for bringing you know for bringing this forth, and thank you so much for for sharing that and for bringing that into the space. As you and I, you know, dove deep into into a conversation before this deep dive. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many things in this specific passage that um, might not have been spoken, but it is felt, and it er. And it is things and there are things that we have ultimately experienced so deeply in your life. And so my first question for you here is to bring forth your choice of of this passage. Why did you choose this passage for a conversation today?
0: Mm. Oh, I've been afraid lately. aren't we all um haven't we all touched our own fears in one way or another and i thought um i was originally going to bring a piece um about design or about other other subjects i'm so passionate about but i thought to myself let me bring something that's going to going to enter the conversation into a more vulnerable space so let's talk about fear and what i love why I brought this particular passage, because many authors write about fear, right? But this particular passage is so amazing because it defines fear. What what are we afraid of? He says, you know, in the beginning. And we're, we're always like, oh, I'm afraid of like my failures. I'm afraid of my past. I'm afraid of things that I lost. But what Stephen's saying is that we're actually afraid of our success. And we're afraid that things might be true, that all of our talents might be real, and that we'd have to prove our worth of them, and that we'd become monsters because of all of it, because of, of how great it all is. And that would make us alone and cold and, and, and without a starry sky. He's, he's telling us that the fear is actually of the success. And... Particularly, I like the end because he acknowledges, yeah, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> you're going to turn into a, a, you know, a monster and, and you're going to, you know, get to the promised land and, and you're, this is all real. You really will. But he says, but there's a trick. And I love this. He says, we wind up in space, but not alone. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And that's, that's followed me my whole life especially as an only child, especially in the choices that I've made in my creative growth and how I've built a lot of it in solitude and in silo. So I have learned that being alone or being, being alone gives you a lot of space, a lot of space and that you do lose friends. So if anyone's listening and like, you feel like you don't you don't have the people you had or people are slipping away or you're not challenged by the people around you you're outgrowing the people around you yeah <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. family friends fall off but he says you find too, you find friends too in the places you never thought to look and i've read this passage paula so many times And I've thought, oh yeah, he's talking about lovers that come in and new friends that are like, meet you at that high frequency. And that's what he's talking about. But no, it's even deeper. I think he's talking about that you find a friend in yourself, like capital friend, like Mm -hmm. the way that Hafiz and Rumi uses the friend. The the ultimate friend being in companionship with yourself. And then he says they're better friends and we're better and truer to them. We're better and truer to ourself. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. So so this is what's on the other side of fear. And I love it.
1: I love this passage. Yeah. Oh my God. It's whole. I'm like down my body. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this, um yeah and this is such a beautiful way you know for for us to ultimately what I'm what I'm hearing is to to really describe the journey that brings us into full acceptance mm. of of our greatness ultimately right I can totally resonate to that of like yeah I was a I, when was the last time I experienced fear? And I'm like, the question that pops into my head is like, you mean like today? Yeah. yeah. Today, yeah, that happened today. And, uh, and the ways in which the, the reframe of, it is so normal, right? Like it's so normal or it's, or it's being normalized to fear what we don't know, right? To fear that, we are stepping into something we don't know about, that we're stepping into loss, that we're stepping into emptiness, that we're stepping into all of the things that we don't know. And, and I feel that this passage really brings forth the, the reframe of Hoda, you're actually afraid of remembering your power and your greatness and your all of the things that if you were to fully come into acceptance with yourself, you would say, Holy shit, like I'm quite a fucking gem.
0: <laughs> Brush right? <your> shoulders off.
1: <laughs> yes. And so the the beginning, the beginning of this passage, right, is that we fear discovering mm-hmm. what we are, that we are ultimately more than what we think. And so mm-hmm. For you specifically, what were some of the things in your journey that you feared to discover or to accept within yourself that were actually those things that make you, you? Mm. Oh my goodness.
0: I don't know what it is about this interview, but if you're listening, this just this about to be juicy. I wanna <laughs> let you know this woman is provoking so much right here and now, and I'm gonna keep it absolutely real. Um, I'm gonna rattle off a few things and then go into something that really scared the shit out of me and still does. One is afraid of how powerful of an artist, I am but also how wealthy of a businesswoman I am at the same time. Is it possible that I am nourished, fed, well taken care of, well resourced and still like have the mad hatter of the crazy eccentric artist that thinks outside the box, the visionary? Is it possible to hold them both down? that is, that has always plagued me and and I've always been feared by it. And yet every day I put on my adventure cap and I go out there and I hold that those two down and I practice them both. Another thing I was super afraid of was I actually, we all didn't have the, we all had childhoods where we weren't given everything we deserved. And I know that, that's what we that's what we can relate on like we had great childhoods, but there were things missing. But I also remember my childhood with a lot of like I, I, I was tapped into my imagination. And when I think about the good parts of my childhood, I think about how it actually prepared me for greatness. It prepared me for deep thought. It prepared me to be a deep feeling thinker, a deep, deep feeling person, a deep thinker. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and the way that like my father would like interview me and, and prepare me to think deeply about things. It's almost frightening how much I use that as a toolbox today. And it's like, did we preserve the child? Like, did we preserve the imagination Cause a lot of us are cut off from it, but it's like, you know, so in that reframe that, that I, I kind of almost always feared it. And I tried to like grow up fast and like cover it up <laughs> and button it up, you know, and be something I'm not, but you know, at a certain mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. it is what it, you know, you are who you are, mm-hmm. who you were made to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah and and it's in that you know in that fear right like because i think a lot of you know a lot of people can can maybe relate to this if you're listening to this and you you relate to identifying yourself or to feeling into your experience, your human experience as an artist in which you see things differently. You are a visionary, right? Like you love to create shit, like think outside of the box, be <laughs> outside of the box. And that's just your jam. And and how maybe that plays into the story, right? That says, well, if I'm this, I'm this. I can't be this and that, yeah. right? And, and as you shared, right, I think that's, that is a lot of that's part of the journey. That's part of the journey in which we like, okay, I need to be this. And then that means I can't be that. And the, until you get to a point where you're like, you know what? I get to come into acceptance of this and realize that everything that I am and everything that I've gone through has shaped me to be able to hold both of these aspects, and and more and more and more in my life and so was there any specific i you know cuz you talked about the the moments of isolation right like those moments and mm-hmm. when you're like i'm creating this i'm creating this shit i'm building myself i'm completely reinventing my life like i look around and it looks like there is nothing i'm like in a void of the pit <laughs> of whatever it is and I want to hear, I want to hear a little bit more about that in your journey, those moments of isolation that, that showed you that maybe you were presented with fear and what did they show you and what was it about that experience or that passage, the birds are like going um, (laughs) about that passage that, that you chose to take with you to build you. Mm-hmm. And to to mold you into who you are today. I want to I want to hear a little bit about that. Oh
0: my God. Yeah. I mean, talk about solitude for a minute. And um I, I don't know, but I feel like I feel like shouting out like the guilt of mm-hmm. being of of wanting to choose time to do to be alone or time to to cultivate your own practices, time to work on your own, to maybe say no to a friend group and then spend time alone. Um, We, we're all balancing our need to be social with our, our real need to create in silo and to create um, in the cyclone of our own uh, matrix, our own um, creatrix. And I think that Um, that has always been a negotiation Mm -hmm. that I've had to make with myself until I realized that so many fruits come when I choose solitude, not more than being social and, and not more than collaboration, but equal to. And it actually has given me so much time to create conversations in my mind with the people that I'm meant to connect with. It's mm-hmm. funny, it's like, sometimes we, like, when you're alone, you can, like, almost meta connect mm-hmm. with, with people in the world or, like, um, people you want to work with. Like, say you're, like, like, an example is creating, like, a message that you want to go out to a certain group of people. You can do that by talking with that group of people, but then at some point you have to break away. And in your solitude, you have to write to them. You have to think of them. You have to have conversations with them and publish that. And that's when we get authentic content. It's not backwards. It's that way. It's like, it really is the depth of creating dialogue inside and that's Mm -hmm. how any good writer is born. That's how any good marketer is born. That's how any good creator is born. Mm -hmm. And so get alone, like get, get, get by yourself. you know, that's the only thing I can say is like, if you think you're spending too much time alone, spend some more. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I I think that, and when you come out to touch people and interact people, you will be energetically resourced to the point where people feel it's so palpable to be with you. And you'll start to get things like, I love your energy. I get that all the time now. And I never used to get that in my twenties because I was feeding off others so much, harvesting Mm -hmm. the energy of others. But now mm-hmm. in my 30s, I harvest my own, and people are like, "Huh? What? Who dat? That? You know, who dat?" And not in like a braggy way, but but let's all get that who
1: dat when we do emerge. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, just how you said, <laughs> you know, there's so many there's so many good pieces on here. But one thing that that really stuck out to me is, is when you said this is how this is how authors are, are, are born, like this is how poets mm-hmm. and poems are born, right? If you really think about it, when a writer is expressing when when you, you know, listeners, if you're a writer, like if you like to journal to express in some type of creative way, it's because it's really a conversation that you have, a dialogue that you have within yourself, mm-hmm. and how that also is a um, an outcome. I would say an outcome of the dialogues that you've had with other people, and that is how you take what you know and you bring that into your own experience, and you ask yourself, okay, like this is this is what I've learned, this is what I've seen. Now I'm gonna. T- take this into my own experience, into my own internal dialogue, and then express something that is fully authentic um, to me, right? And, and something something that I know, something that I know about you is mm-hmm. that you are a studied and lived embodied anthropologist, right? Like this is something that you have um really dove deep into the the culture of the human experience and so um can you share can you share with us a little bit on on some of those passages that you went on mm. to to gather that inspiration and in that, as you would call it, that research to then bring it into your own life, to have it be a part of how you express your authentic, beautiful, that <laughs> essence.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anthropology. You know, it's so funny. I feel like in my teens and 20s, I lived a life and now in my thirties, I'm living a whole different life. And I hope that in my forties and fifties, I continue to be reborn because I wasn't doing what I'm doing now in my twenties. My twenties was all about, and my higher education was all about anthropology. The study of how culture is formed and preserved, And how people migrate and move and organize and the organization of language and linguistics and communication. And I was like studying human beings. My life was human centered. And I was an observer and a student my whole 20s and a traveler. And I didn't really work on my career at all. And when I got to my 30s, I was like, shit, I don't have a resume for, I don't have a resume for crap. Like, let me, let me make all this up. Um, you know, people think maybe I studied marketing or I got my MBA. No way. Um, everything I've learned has been just but through study, self-study. I'm a huge proponent of self-study. But yeah, I, you know, anthropology took me to many places. I actually have been following the African diaspora for a long while. It started in West Africa, where I, you know, I got. I was at the San Francisco State University. I was trying to do psychology. Um, I went to the psychology department, and the dean told me, "Sorry, actually, we're full. We don't have we don't have room for any more psych students. You're gonna have to go somewhere else." And I thought to myself, "What the fuck am I gonna do? I don't want to do anything else," you know. <laughs> I All I want to do is psychology. So I randomly walked into another department and I looked on the board and it said anthropology. And I was like, I don't even know what this is. And they had a bunch of open classes. So I signed up for all of them. And I just sat there in some of the opening lectures for the first week in college. And I remember how passionate my professors were I had one professor who uh, focused in in Latin America. One professor focused in in Brazil, the indigenous there, in the migrant workers in the fields of Mexico. And I, I had teachers that really spanned physical, medicinal, and cultural anthropology. And I studied, and I ended up loving this discipline. And I ended up taking grad grad classes, my senior year. Like I I took too many classes that they were like, girl, you gotta go to grad school. Like you gotta (laughs) gotta senior year in undergrad is gonna be the first year of grad school for you. Cause I was so hungry. And I I got in those classes and I just wanted to write about people. I just wanted to write about people. And I and so then I traveled to Africa and did digs and like a lot of work in Africa and a lot of studying there so many stories. And then Brazil. Brazil uh, is a second home. That's where I found myself after college, studying religion, organized religion, um, condomble, sitting with Maidi Santos, learning about orishas, learning about um, how energy is manifested in languages and music and dance is remembered through the body, through the ancestral line. Mm. And I became consumed with how people hold spirit and energy in their body. Mm. And my whole 20s was just for holding space for this and listening to stories. <laughs> that was it. Um, and it led me down certain medicine paths and certain, you know, ways of growing and, and, and touching in on my own growth. And then in my 30s, it's like I shot out of it. And I wanted to I wanted to shed the observer and the student and I wanted to create things. And I wanted to make things and I wanted to build things. And I I, I assumed the archetype of the architect. I really wanted to architect things. And I no longer wanted to sit passively and, and listen. And, and I chose the medium of design. And I don't know, it's just been, but I use like to answer your question. And if you're listening, Everything you learned that you think that you want to throw away because you're done with it, you're not done with it. You're going to write a book about it later. It's going to come in handy with a client. You're going to find yourself remembering a teacher that you had, remembering the way that you learned. When we're learning, we it's like our mind's so open. And I use, I use a lot of anthropological... Um, Concepts and constructs today. Um, Community participatory research, which is exactly like market research. It's the same thing, it's listening to people and what they want and their desires and their fears, right? Mm -hmm. So, really, it's the same thing, but my motivation is deeper than a marketer. I'm not just, I'm not only trying to make you help you make more money, I want you to make more money for sure but I want you to connect on an emotional level and use design in an emotive way to feel alive and to create strong cords to your culture and your identity. And that's Mm -hmm. why, and that's why. And I found the thread. I was like, oh, that's why I studied, you know? Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, yeah,
1: anthropology led me to this place. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the thing, right? Like, that's the thing of, of the importance, the, not just the thing, because it's, it's so much deeper. I feel when, when we experience a, a level of a, a rite of passage mm-hmm. um, in our lives, right? It's really going from who you were into who it is that you are becoming. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's that bridge of becoming what you have been preparing yourself for right and then you go through this process in between of I I am a and then you know I'm an artist I am a dancer I am a student of humanity of stories of culture and I'm taking all of this in and then you get to your 30s and you're like wait hold up okay now <laughs> I get to now I now I get to you know, express my art in a different way. And so what was that passage for you? Like, what was that like for you to transition? Right. Because if, if, and then I'm, you know, I'm sure, or I, I'm assuming, um, it wasn't like, a, okay, now I'm doing this, <laughs> you know, and if any, any of you listening, like you found out that you could do it like that please let me know i would love to have a conversation with you and, and how we can make that happen um but the the potency of the the passage right when we're walking when we're not there yet and we don't know exactly where we're going all we know is what we know what we've been where like where we've been what we've done and so can you just Give us a little bit of that in-between space. What was that like? And was there something that just clicked for you that supported you in crossing over the threshold?
0: Mm. Oh my gosh, so many things. And yes, it definitely was a passage. I don't think that you can just snap your fingers and become something I actually think that's the easy way out. And I think a lot of people do slap kind of a title. Um, I don't like to say people, but I will call out, you know, there's a lot of young people that want titles first, but it, it, for me, it wasn't like that. Um, I had to find out what I should be called after I, I first found out this. I first was feeling like being an artist wasn't enough. It was just this sense that like, I, there's more to me than this. Mm-hmm. And that led me to, to understand the difference between an artist and a creative. Mm-hmm. Like the term a creative in air quotes, if you're listening, a creative versus artist. They're both so potent. There's not an either or, they're not better than or less than, but to me, an artist was this great wielder of, of the, of making something totally intangible, tangible and doing it for self, Mm -hmm. doing it for me my art is like totally my spirituality. It's my, it's my inner world. And, And being a creative though is different. Being a creative allows you to go into industries and to transmute your art in a way that helps commerce and, and markets and has a, has a little bit of more of like a, like strategic edge to it. And I felt that being a creative, I had, I could learn different tools than what I had as an artist. And, um, you know, one of those tools, graphic design or, um, photography, just, I realized that being a creative was something I really wanted to do. Um, and I wanted to also, challenge myself to commodify my work because I don't know about other artists, but like I had a big challenge with, um, charging people for my art. Like I, I, it really is. And it's so different for everyone, but my art really is like, there's no price tag on it. It's like, here's, this is for spirit. This is for the universe. This is for us. This is for community. But my, but as a creative, I was able to systematize and strategize my skill sets. And then what is really important, I think, for anyone listening is the next step was really important. Again, we're not in title. We're not in like, what do I call myself? But I was thinking, who do I serve? And Paula, I've heard you talk about this so much in your work. I think a lot last year was like being in service. Who do you serve? Who are you serving? And what it means to like be in service and what that does for our spirit as well, how it helps us. And that really helped liberate me from the dogma of thinking what's in it for me. I need money. I need to do something. I need a career. I need, but then going, but who do you serve? Who do you want to help? And what do you want to offer them? And and what can you do for them? And what kind of process do you want to take people through? And what, who are these people? What do they want, you know, getting in. in, in, And so it's like, I had to really reckon with some level of narcissism that if you're listening, this is big, like, this is huge, because it's like, we can become obsessed with what I am and what I do. And I sell cacao and I sell earrings and I have this and that's the what, but the how and for whom and the why Mm -hmm. is what I kind of, what was, that was my passage. That was my rite of passage. And it helped me grow up, like grow the fuck up. Forget about (laughs) what you are, the label and more define what you have to offer that is unique to you. Mm. And it's heartbreaking. As you know, Paula, it's heartbreaking when you turn the mirror away from yourself and you turn it towards the audience. Like if we can all in our mind think of a visual of how stressed you are and how anxious you are. And we get like this, I get like this too. But I have this visual of like turning the mirror around to everyone else. And for a second, asking, "How do you feel? What do you need? You know, How can I serve you?" Mm-hmm. And it sounds like cliche, but it is the passage that I want like that I want this podcast to be about. It's like, like, when will we stop obsessing over our ranking and our title? And when will we start working diligently on how we're different in our space and what our process and containers for others are? Mm. Yeah.
1: There's so, oh my, I I need a moment. <laughs> I'm taking a breath. <laughs> I, need a moment. I need a moment on that. But, you know, ultimately hmm. with with all of this, you know, with with this that you've shared, is that it is. It is so much about, you know, there's actually this quote that's coming, that's coming to mind, and it is from the deck Wisdom Keepers. It's inspired by Rachel Rudd's work of the gene keys. And it is, it talks about guidance, right? Like how to be of true guidance for ourselves and for the world and it talks about to to allow yourself to take action not because of fear of oppression or love of power but rather by be moved by a profound love of service and that in and it of itself, it really does bring all of us, whether you are somebody who has an, an, like a tangible offering to the world, or it is something that you support people with, I want you to know that you in it of itself, you standing and in that acceptance of yourself, of your own unique expression in your own work of art and allowing yourself to be molded by the experiences that you've had in your life to stand powerfully as your own unique expression, that is how you are of service to the world. And when we can lean in more into that, and what I'm receiving like just from this you know from this transmission from this conversation is that at the end of the day the more and more that we serve that is the greatest contribution that we can make to ourselves and to the world and to have that be so deeply embedded into our bodies and into every single thing that we do and we put out into the world that fear it doesn't have it, it has no power, right? Like when to kind of begin to tie this in when we begin this conversation talking about fear. Fear, y'all, like again, if y'all find somebody or something or some type of technique that can eradicate the cure forever, like please let me know. Holla at your girl. Let <laughs> us know. I would love, I would love to get to share this with the world, but um ultimately the how we position ourselves right like how we position ourselves as a unique work of art in the world doesn't mean that we're not afraid it doesn't mean that we don't doubt it means that we do it that we accept it and that we know that in that we are in contribution to the world, that has a lot more power than fear ever will mm. you know in our lives and so mm. to to position ourselves right to really bring ourselves into this like give me a second if we can just all take a moment to just look back right like just really look back into our lives everything everything that you've ever been through. Yeah. Those moments too, Mm -hmm. all of that and come into this moment and say, Holy shit. Every single time that I've chosen to learn from that has gotten me here. And the way in which I experienced that was so unique, Mm -hmm. so unique. Therefore, How I allow myself to express in the world and serve the world is unique too. Mm -hmm. And so to bring forth your expertise and your your heart into this, what is one of the ways in which we can position ourselves in that way? What can support us to position ourselves In a world that feels like there's a whole lot of humans.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, let me break that down for anyone listening. Um, And I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to use marketing terms and branding terms, but I'm also not going to use those terms. And I'm going to ground them in terms we can all understand. First, I'm going to, I just feel called to say why it's so hard to position and then kind of, I'm going to explain to you right here, what positioning really means. And we say this as market positioning, brand positioning, the positioning of your business, the positioning of your, of your products, how your products, how your services, how your brand and business are related, the architecture of how your organization is positioned, all of that. Think back to when you were a baby and a child with your mother and you were in the womb. Hmm. And then the day you were born, you came out of the womb with your placenta breaking open and you came hopefully into your mother's chest. And you were hopefully with her or with someone. From the moment your skin touched someone's else, you have been positioned. Mm. You have been positioning because positioning says, this is where I start and end. And this is where you start and end. Mm. But as we grow up, this is fractured through disappointments, fear, rejection, confrontation, I'm going to get a little dark right now, but abuse, neglect, Mm. and all of our, if you've heard of, what am I thinking of, Our, um, our way of relating, relational theory, like disorganized relating, attachment theory. Attach, um, healthy attachment, disorganized attachment, anxious attachment, all of these things that we deal with, cause we all deal with them
1: mm-hmm.
0: have infected and affected how we view, how we're positioned in the world, how we're positioned with ourself, our family. Then we start to want to build a business. So then we realize that we're not alone. We're in relationship with other people in space and in time. And a company is just a collection of relationships. That's all it is. Someone shout out Amy Jin, one of my coaches. That's her line. I can't even take credit for it, but <laughs> hey, hey, hey. But you know, this, that's the thing is that positioning is not hard when you understand how deep it goes and why we have trouble understanding our unique differentiation in our space and how and and where we belong. And in brand positioning, what I'm talking about is where you sit in the imagination of your audience in the imagination of your ideal client. So Mm. they say that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So if you enter the room and then you leave, your brand essence, your brand is what someone might say about Paula, what someone might say about someone else. It's the feeling you give someone. That's the position that you have. So what's really interesting is to start to do that work. And really, it's a know thyself type of thing. It, it it requires you to understand who's out there. First of all, it's know others. Um, and to have a healthy understanding of what it's like to study competition. Because I guarantee you, if you're listening to this and you have a career, you you're starting a business, you own a business, you look out there at night. And you look at Instagram and you look at people, there's certain people you look at that are like you, that might be doing something similar to you. But we don't know how to have a healthy attachment to the competition. And brand positioning says, let's look at the competition and let's look at what they're really good at. And then let's look at what you're really good at. And let's find what's maybe better or different about what you do versus what they do. And that we can all access resources and clients differently by being different. But I'll tell you what doesn't work is copying and trying to be the same, trying to replicate These are the, 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 this is again, the infection. We're infected with this idea that if we're like, or like them, we'll get their success. If Mm -hmm. we're, we're like them, it'll like just transfer to us and people will think we're them and then, and then we'll, and then, and then, and then, and then, then. Mm -hmm. but what I love to do with people is to prove that wrong, to niche down, to specify people to let people specify in, in something that's really in their genius and let them run with that. And that's their position. And it really is a coming home. Like it's a coming back to mothering your vision, right? It's a coming back to mothering where you belong when it has been fractured and disoriented. Yeah. It's hard to see. It's hard to see when it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to see, you know, I have to, I have my coaches, I have my branding experts. Are you kidding me? It's so hard to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I really love, I really love the, the way that you, the way that you initiated us into this, because um, like you said, right, like what I'm really getting from, from this in, in the, the, the business aspect, as well as the daily life aspect and the way that we position ourselves to um, to see where it is that we are standing, what story are we standing in, right? Like, what are we choosing to stand in and position ourselves? We're gonna we're gonna position ourselves over here. And when we're like disempowered and like you, the words you use, like um, infected or like less than or in competition and like constantly seeking outside of ourselves, or position ourselves in a space in which you know what I see my own unique art my own unique ways of serving and influencing and impacting the lives of other people and and in that that is how I get to lead that's how I get to move that's how I get to embrace and and accept myself and um and it is, and it, it is just like you so beautifully shared. It's like it's like coming home. It's like, ah, oh, thank God. I didn't I went over there, I knocked on some doors, I <laughs> found some things, I learned some things, and so good to know that there is no other place like home. And then I can build here and I can plant some trees here, and I can just make like a bunch of fucking art here. And and that feels yeah, so good, right? And yeah, for you know for this and for, I just want to take a moment, I just want to take a moment to, to acknowledge you and your work around this, because honestly, all of you, passages would not be here if it wasn't for this woman, (laughs) who (laughs) who really, really, really supported this vision in, in that way, in which I can come home to myself, and create something that was true to me. Yeah. And, and looking and looking at what other people are doing and looking at what other people are saying and how are they doing it? And mm-hmm. this and that, as you've known, this whole thing is, is completely different. Mm-hmm. I looked at the guidelines and I said, fuck it. <laughs> I got some internal guidelines and I am so grateful for, for your presence in in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that your work and that your who essence <laughs> is, gets to be shared, gets to be shared in the world. And, you know, to, as we, as we begin to, mm-hmm. as we're reaching over towards the end of this passage, we're beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel of understanding, <laughs> of returning home. We started out with fear and now we're home. <laughs>
0: we're home, home. Now we're like, home. oh my God, thank God.
1: <laughs> yeah. To mm. you specifically, is there anything that you would like to share with, with our listeners here today in regards to, it can be a truth, a statement, to to seal in mm-hmm. this passage, we started out with fear. We dove into that beautiful conversation, fearing our greatness, what holds us back. To getting to acknowledge the the parts of our journey that we may be compartmentalizing, and how they actually get to come with us, and be part of how we serve the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And be part of our coming home to ourselves, ultimately. What would you like to leave us with on that?
0: You know, I'm, I'm just going to have to say that if you are lost and you've lost your way, I will walk you home. Mm-hmm. And if you have built something that is inauthentic, that is crumbling, Mm -hmm. I will help you rebuild something that will not crumble. Mm -hmm. And if you are seeking validation from the outside, I will create a nest for you to incubate and harvest your own energy in your own validation and when the time is right you will build the tangibles we will build the tangibles to house that mm-hmm. but it's all about coming home to me home is home is where the heart is mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is where the money is. And that is where the love is. And that is where the clients are. And that is where your significant other is waiting for you. And that is where the the friends on the other side of fear mm. is, is actually. So if you don't feel particularly home right now, it's time to go home <laughs> and stop playing. Stop playing. In someone else's home.
1: Mm. Mm. I love that.
0: Gotta come back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> can't come back yeah, home. Look around. Buddy. Home. Hey, buddy. <laughs> and with with that, with you getting to to share all of that with us. My second to last question here is. Who are you today?
0: Mm. Oh, I don't know. I am sharing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sharing my passage today and it feels really good feels really good to come on here and share and connect with you and connect with you listening and um, and really to those of you listening, like to really have those moments where we both resonated with something I said and we it, it brings me to you and it brings you to me. And I am so grateful for this. I'm grateful and I'm sharing. That's who I am today. Good
1: luck and your name?
0: My name is Kaylee Isabella.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Kaylee.
0: Thank you, (laughs) Paula.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And there is, so Kaylee Isabella, everybody. This is the the woman behind the voice, (laughs) in the voice, the voice of Kaylee Isabella, the wisdom of Kaylee (laughs) Isabella. And the wisdom of, of so of so many, right? That mm-hmm. that gets to be expressed and shared through through you so beautifully today. Um, mm-hmm. How can and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're probably like, oh, okay, I need I need to I need to connect with this woman. <laughs> she sounds incredible. She's telling me things that I've been seeing, that I've been trying to articulate, that I've been trying to figure out. She's speaking to my heart right now. How can people get in contact with you?
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to rattle off all the ways that we can work together, that we can collab, that we can shoot the shit and hang out. (laughs) No, but on the real, um, you know, I think that if you were inspired by this, I would like you to email me. I'd like you to write to me. It would be really nice to hear really like anything that came up um or anything you're curious about so i guess i'll put my email in when this launches okay so do take the opportunity to connect with me just you and i and and i'm happy to send resources my god i have so many beautiful things i have a brand positioning guide I have visualizations. If, if, I guess if you like this voice and you want to invite this voice into your, <laughs> you want more this. I don't know, girl, but we, we got a girl or boy, you know, we, we, we got, um, we got things to help you through and keep you
1: feeling good. So just email me. Thank you. Thank you, Kaylee. And if there's one thing that um, I want all of you, all of you listeners to know is that, Every single individual that is on this series, these are people that I know, these are people that I specifically chose to bring forth into this conversation because we are in a world in which we are influenced on a daily basis by many words, by many titles, by many voices. And I want you to know that when you step into this portal, every single person on here, I will vouch for. And Kaylee Sabella is an incredible artist, brand, strategist, creator, mother of visions that'll teach you to mother your visions. And <laughs> as we close up this passage, I want you to take a deep breath and as you exhale, declare yourself home. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. If you, if you resonate with this conversation and the conversations that we're having, feel free to share, to like, to um, invite other people onto this portal that is full of intentionality, guidance, and empowerment. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.